acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. Hey, we're back with episode eight of Bel Air, the official podcast. I am DJ Jazzy Jeff. And I'm Crystal West. I'm so glad to be back here with you, Jeff. We just watched the season finale of Bel Air. I can't believe the season is already over. It flew by. What did you think? I am so angry that this is over, but this has been an amazing journey. I mean, these episodes are packed with everything. Mm -hmm. It was filled with a lot of drama. Things were emotional from the very beginning. We saw Will and Phil at Viv's art event. Phil mm -hmm. reconnecting with his brothers. Will telling Lisa how he felt. Yo, felt, did you oh. see that coming? <laughs> no, I didn't see it coming. And I was excited because it seemed like she was trying to receive it. And then all hell broke loose. Mm -hmm. Yes. And speaking of hell, <laughs> we have got to talk about <laughs> Lou. <laughs> yes, there was such yes. a buildup to this reveal. I would love to get your thoughts on it, Jeff. Was this what you thought it would be like between Lou and Will? Well, I didn't know. And I think that was a good sign of me just really curious of what this weird dynamic that everybody was hiding from Will about mm -hmm. Lou. I thought it was really great at how complex they made his character, you know, like his own father had been in jail and, you know, that had been so, you know, destructive to his relationship mm -hmm. with his dad that he right. thought staying away from Will was for Will's betterment, you know, instead of... You know, Will thinking that he's the deadbeat dad. It kind of showed two sides of the coin. Yeah, Will is dealing with the feeling of having been abandoned by his father um, and then learning that there's more to the story mm -hmm. than just that. But 
you know, this is a sticky situation. Lou's been gone for a long time. He still has his feelings. He's maybe not emotionally mature enough to deal with Will's own, you know, feelings and anger and all that. So when the conversation shifts towards Vi and Lou is really critical of Vi, that's oof, where Will oof, is like, okay, oof. what you not going to do is talk about yeah, my mama. That's what you not going to do. Yeah, I'm grateful ass. Never appreciate anything. Yo, watch your mouth talking about my mom. You want to know the truth, boy? What's up? Being with your mama was the worst mistake I ever made in my life. Hey, nigga, you better chill the fuck out talking about my mom like that. Boy, you better back up. Take that bass out your voice. Hey, what's up, man? I ain't scared of your oh, bum ass. Hey, 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 yeah, you are not going to mm-hmm. talk about her. And that was real because you kind of saw them bonding a little bit that you almost thought like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, now that Will knows a little bit more of the truth, you know, maybe he'll be a little bit more open to accepting his dad in. But once his dad crossed that line, yeah. he lost it. Was not ha- trying to hear that at all. Such an incredible moment. And, you know, as you, as someone who was part of the original cast, you know probably better than anyone That scene in the original show where Will unleashes all that anger and hurt at his father in that speech to Uncle Phil after Lou walked out yet again was just such a seminal moment in the series. What was it like for you to watch Jabari Banks have his own version of that moment here? And do you think it was different seeing him being able to direct that anger straight at Lou instead of having Uncle Phil be that barrier for it? I think definitely on this one, this wasn't the sitcom version. This was the real life version. This is what would happen in real life, you know, of these were raw emotions, you know, that they were showing towards each other. I'm not even going to just give it to Will, but Lou's perspective, you know, right or wrong, Lou was showing that perspective to Will. Will was showing it back. It was exactly how it would be in real life, which I commend this show for mm-hmm. dotting I's and crossing T's, you know, when it comes down to the realism of how these situations will be. Yeah. And a lot more cussing than you can get away with on network TV <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> yes. Yes. A especially in that cussing. scene. Oh, yeah. Boy, Will did not hold back. <laughs> well, today we will be looking back at highlights from this season and getting a sneak peek of what we can expect in season two. That's right, Jeff. So let's start with you. What were some of your favorite moments from the season? Well, I mean, I had a couple of them. I enjoyed jazz. Of course, I enjoyed jazz. The fact Mm -hmm. that he had his own record store. Um, I enjoyed the fact that jazz got to pursue his relationship with Hillary and also that he kind of showed that he is this calming force, it seems like, with everybody. You know, I'm I'm going to check Hillary and tell her, you know, that she's better than that and she needs to be, you know, doing more. And I'm going to pull Will aside and give Will some sound advice, whether it be on a basketball court, you know, or overlooking the city. You know, he has shown that he's been there. Um, so I really enjoy that relationship. I agree. I think for me, uh, can I say everything? Because I have enjoyed yeah. so much of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think what has struck me the most is as crazy as it might sound to say, Carlton. Carlton oh, yeah. was a character I could not stand from the very <laughs> beginning. From the very beginning with the book of sugar and everything. I was like, this boy, 
But what was so interesting about Carlton was that although I could not stand the character, I also felt like I could understand where he was coming mm-hmm. from. And I loved that he wasn't just a one-note bad guy, you know, here to be the villain and yeah, and rain yeah. on Will's parade for the entire season. We got to see the growth in Carlton, him overcoming that initial jealousy and getting now to a place where he is in um, a space of questioning his father, which is something he probably was never really comfortable doing before, kind of would have just always taken his dad's word for things and always tried to please him always trying to gain his approval. And now we see Carlton looking his father dead in the eyes, hearing him yeah. tell a lie and choosing yeah. to to go off and, and help Will. And when Will stormed out, slipping that money clip in his pocket, like, Listen. like a loving cousin yes. would do. It yes. was just, I think seeing Carlton's growth and progress has, has truly been one of the best things about this, this season for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a true sign of a great actor or actress when fans don't like them because of their performance. And, you know, and Carlton was the one that no one liked and didn't realize that you probably like him more than anybody else. <laughs> I mean, and we didn't like him for good reason, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, he he had the chance to redeem himself. And, and I'm so glad he did. Um, well, mm-hmm. today... We are so excited to welcome back co-showrunners T.J. Brady and Rashid Newsom, mm. who are the perfect guests to have for the finale because not only can they give us some insight into some of these great moments from the season, but also let us know what yes. we can expect in season two. They might be a little tight-lipped, but, you know, just gonna, give us a we little gonna bit. We're going to pull something out of them. Oh, yeah. We're we going to ask. You know? yeah. T.J. and Rashid have been writing partners since 2008. Together, they've written for and produced such shows as The 100, Army Wives, Shooter, and The Shy. Bel Air is their first job as co-showrunners. And we had great conversations with these two on previous episodes. So I cannot wait to talk to these guys again because I'm going to find out something about what's coming up in season two. And I want to dig into that scene with Lou and Will. So Mm. Mm. (laughs) without further ado, here's our conversation with TJ and Rashid. We are so excited to be joined today by TJ Brady and Rashid Newsom, our showrunners of Bel Air. And I have to say, first and foremost, so impressed. Uh, Jeff, would you like to talk just a little bit about that since, you know, you were part of the original Listen, show, of course? Just being being from the original cast, not really knowing what to expect and then getting this, it has so far exceeded any of my expectations. This is, you know, I've said this and, yeah. and saying it very honest. This is the best show on television right now. Um, wow. And I am, I, I, am, I am extremely honored and happy to have any kind of participation in this. This would be the show that I would be watching and binge watching every week. So to be able mm-hmm. to watch it and then talk about it is is amazing. Amazing. Con- congratulations you. to you guys. Thank you. I'm hearing that from you, Jeff, is is meta on meta on meta uh, dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much. Rashid and I have a great team around us from, you know, him being on my team, from our, our partners and producing partners to the entire crew. Everybody made this happen. 
and I just feel blessed that we could be a part of it. We had a wonderful mm-hmm. advantage that I, I didn't know we could count on, but everybody who worked on this show saw The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Everybody was already a fan of the original series. Oh, yeah. Oftentimes you're on a show and people aren't rowing in the same direction. They've got different ideas about what the show should be and, and why we're here. And sometimes you have people on a show, they're just here for a paycheck. They're indifferent to what they're working on. Just, just I'm, I'm clocking yeah. in, I'm clocking out. Everybody cared and it showed in, in everyone's work. That's interesting because I was just going to ask what your experience has been like working on the show with Morgan and the whole cast. And it sounds like because everyone was a fan from the original Fresh Prince mm-hmm. of the 90s, that things kind of went in a more seamless direction than they would have otherwise. Well, you mentioned working with Morgan. Morgan's trailer that went online provided a visual template, a tone, a vibe that mm-hmm. most shows struggle for half a season to find, if they ever mm. find it at all. Yeah. yeah. We had it right out the gate. What Huge advantage. Huge advantage. I mean, he gave birth to the idea of this show, but he also helped us, you know, with so many things right off the bat that are up for debate that were never up for debate. And Morgan's passion Mm. was contagious. I mean, everybody was, everybody felt that they were working on something special. Um, During the audition, I had to stop watching the slates because people, people would be making a personal appeal about, I've got to play this character. I've got to play this role. I was born to do this. <laughs> God told me in a dream this role was needed to be mine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just had to stop walking. We heard, we heard those very I words. Like, okay, yeah. I, I'm sure you did. You, did you know you can only pick one person? But, but people and every department came to this. It was a passion project. And you normally don't get mm. an entire cast and crew that feels that way about what they're making. Yeah, but I also think that, you know, that's great to have that in the beginning, but then to deliver on that. Like from the very first episode, you guys delivered it. And it was it was eye-popping that, you know, I'm watching this and asking myself, have I ever seen anything this authentic on television? You know, especially mm-hmm. me coming from Philly, me being on the original cast, yeah. I'm looking at a real-life version of... The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, I mean, that's why it was important to us to go to Philly. I mean, you see 60th and Market right yes. up there on the... Yes, I mean, we were at 60th and Market, and right off the side of where the camera is pointing, I mean, the community came out and supported. They couldn't be more excited. And just engaging that community from the beginning and not, not faking it, you know, mm-hmm. letting everybody know, this is Philly, this is West Philly. We, we're not trying to paper over that. We are here sweating Mm -hmm. because it was hot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we went, but a little behind the scenes, that was not an easy call in the middle of a pandemic. No, I mean, you got to, you, I mean, the meetings we had to have about, okay, we're going to take number one on the call sheet to Philadelphia. What are you going to do if he catches COVID? (laughs) And what, I mean, we, we're supposed to come back to LA and start shooting on Monday. What are you going to do if he gets, if he, if he catches COVID, what's our backup plan? (sighs) And, and so you're just talking about all these protocols to keep him safe, to keep everybody safe, the crew. It was a very risky move, but artistically, we had to argue, we've got to go there. We just, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we try to shoot Philadelphia on the back lot in L.A., you will lose no. a huge uh, chunk yes. of the audience right <laughs> yes. off the middle of that ain't Philly, right. and, and, it, and, and you're already in the hole. Yeah, and the authenticity is very much appreciated. It shines through in the series over and over. So if we can, I would love to dive into this finale 
Mm. It was not short on the mm. drama, mm. the mm. mess, mm. the excitement. A lot of that is surrounding Lou, Will's dad, who, of course, in the original Fresh Prince, didn't appear until a few seasons in. I'd love to hear why you why you guys decided to introduce him now and at such a a moment for Will. Well, I mean, you know, a lot goes into that discussion. A lot of mention had been made here and there about, you know, Will not having a father, you know, right in the beginning in the pilot, him looking at Phil going, I'm not your son, you know, like letting us know in subtle ways that this was a core wound for this character that maybe, you know, explained a lot of things and actions he was doing um, and bringing it to a head of he's in a good place with the Banks family. Um, but then the scab gets ripped off of that core wound and he finds out that, you know, his history, that the history he's been given is not the truth. And what's he going to do with that? We just thought as storytellers, it was a good place to shift the drama of, of getting this young man to a good place with the family and find out that they haven't been giving him the real truth all these years. It's also a way to, to continue the, the story we're telling about Will shifting identity. I mean, this is, a, this is still a fish out of water story. This is still a story about a young man who's learning who he is. And that definition is expanding. So in the beginning, he's saying, I'm from West Philly. I'm not Bel Air. Well, through the season, we get him to reconcile that. Mm-hmm. Another thing he believes about himself is my father abandoned me and, and, mm-hmm. and left me. Well, we've got to flip that on its head, too. He has to redefine who he is, and it gives us something to work on going into season two. I mean, we were very lucky to have a two-season order. It meant that we knew we'd be able to continue storylines beyond this this first 10 episodes. And so Lou's great for us because it really supercharges us. I mean, we have to come back next season and put this family back together. And and Will has to put himself back together. So it gives us a, a great way to kind of end the season. I thought it was great because, you know, in the original version of the show, the moment with Will and Uncle Phil and his father was so iconic. Yes. Like that resonated with everybody. How much of that scene was in your mind when you kind of scripted Jabari? Because Jabari went ham on his dad. He went, went off. <laughs> off. I, was like, I was sitting there like, wow. I mean, it shows it shows how much hurt and pain Yes. And sense of loss had been in mm-hmm. that the character of that young man all these years. It was also a lot of fun in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I mean, this we knew what we were playing with. And we, you know, as you go through the episode, there's a moment where they're kind of getting along, like they're bonding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we're going, well, what's going to be the tripwire? And it's like, oh, well, he should say something about his mother. Like, uh, Will, Will's not going to stand for that. You're not going you. to badmouth my mama. You well, know. And it's also not taking responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. she's the one who pushed me to hustle. She's the one who did. Like, even, like he couldn't take responsibility for the choices he made mm-hmm. that put him in prison, for the choices he made to not see his son or reach out to his son all these years. And then he's going to put it on, you know, Bye. Will's mom. Mm-hmm. Wrong, yeah. wrong answer. Yeah. And we wanted to do it, but we also knew we had to put our own spin on it. So what's great about the one where when Ben Vereen comes in and plays Will's dad is it, it leads to this great hug between Uncle Phil and Will. It's, it is their bonding moment. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's not what's happening in this episode. Mm-hmm. No. He's like, I'm actually pissed at y'all too. <laughs> you should be. I mean, I want you to be. I want everybody to be upset. Um, it's kind of like, the thing I'll say is, if you look at how we started the season with Carlton and the way it made people feel, mm-hmm. and you start to see the the shift to how people are starting to feel about Carlton right about now, it's different. Like I said in an interview the other day, as storytellers, our enemy is apathy. We want people to feel something, mm. whether it's happy, yeah. sad, anger, joy, whatever it is. The biggest thing, I mean, I find myself turning off shows in the middle. I'll, you know, I'll be watching something with my wife. I'll turn it off and I'll just, I'll say, I just don't care. But if you're mad, you care. Yeah. We relished working on these scenes and put a lot into them. I have never worked on any set of pages that got more scrutiny all around. I mean, everybody from the studios to the network were reading these pages between Will and Lou and questioning what are we doing and investing in it. Really? I mean, there, was a, there was pressure to say, oh, man, are we really going to blow this family up? And, and you had to remind everybody, we're coming back next season. We can put it back together. <laughs> yes. It's going to be all right. And some people were saying, well, should Will really be mad at them? And I loved it because we had a meeting. And I can't. I think it might have been Morgan who just sort of said, Will is a 17-year-old boy. Yes. yes. He gets to be angry. He gets to displace his anger. Maybe in you know season two, he'll realize I overreacted. But for this moment, he can be mad at everybody. Yes. Oh, and he I, was. Yeah, he right. First of all, he was. He did not hold back. No. <laughs> um, and also, I love that we got to see a teenage black boy let his emotions out without grown people swinging on him or, you know, stepping <laughs> out of. You know, I feel like we have a lot of conversations about children staying in a child's place, but adults are the ones who need to know their places. Like you're the mm. adult here. You're the one whose brain is fully formed. You're the one who <laughs> needs to have, you know, self-control. Yeah. Cassie, Cassie was great about that. Cause you know, when he kind of was going at them in the foyer, she, you know, I talked to her and she was like, you know, she goes, what makes this moment hurt is I have to eat this. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I he's did not. disappear for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, I have to just sit in this, Whew. even though it's really hard to hear. And I think she plays it so beautifully. And she says that uh, her character, Viv, says to Lou after he goes off, goes off and drops some really hard language at Lou. She says, Lou, he's just a boy. If you care about him, just Mm -hmm. give him a little time and talk to him again. And and of course, the character we set up in Lou, like he made his choice. He's got to live with the consequences because Lou is not in a place, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, at that point, Lou is really not mature enough to accept that, you know, his son's feelings. So. Well, we talked about that in the room, too. I mean, you know, you can't it's hard to just show up and just start being a parent. I mean, this is like, Lou, Lou you've been gone for a long time. You know, you got to put that work in day in, day out, year after year. And so Lou doesn't really have the capacity to be mm-hmm. who Will needs him to be. And you're not showing up to parent the four year old that you left. This is a boy who's almost grown. And yes. And has been through a lot without you. And I love that you all switched it up from Lou just being a deadbeat like he was in the original to him having a more complex story here. A story that Will himself 
even felt a lot of empathy for his dad. You know, he was in jail. He had these priors that made it harder for him to stay out. His own dad had been in jail, which hurt their relationship. So he didn't want Will to see him like that. Why did you all decide to go this route with the character? And do you do you think we'll see him again? Because honestly, to me, that last line of, you know, he'll have to deal with the consequences, that felt a little ominous. I was like, now, wait a minute. You just got to give him a little time. I came here to make things right for that boy. But he made his choice. Now, he's going to be the one that has to live with the consequences, not me. <laughs> I think over, over the course of, you know, hopefully five, six, seven seasons, oh, we want to see him oh, again. Oh, amen. I mean, yes. amen. <laughs> First of all, we love Marlon as a, a, a person and an actor, and working oh, yeah. with him was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That him. reveal was so, great. <laughs> I was a little nervous because he walked in, and you couldn't tell who it was until he turned around. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, ooh, that's Lou. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see him again. That's that's all I can say. We're making no promises, but in our heart, would love to love to see him again. But I'll tell you also, uh, just as a peek behind the curtain, there was even in a story like the one we had, there was a great deal of debate in the writers' room and and all along the chain because there's a version of the story we talked about doing where Vi decided I'm not taking my little boy down to the prison to see his father behind glass. That mm. she was the one mm. who said I'm not I'm not going to put that I'm not going to have that in his head. And we went back and forth between what that meant and who would be to blame. And it, it that version sort of took Lou off the hook. If Vi was the one to say, well, I'm going to disconnect you from your son. And we wanted, we wanted Lou to own more of what he'd done. Yeah. So that's why we landed where we landed. So was that the point of making Lou's character and his backstory so much more complex than he was in the original? Was it to kind of get Will to see that things weren't always as he thought. And, you know, even the people that he thought he could trust the most had sort of been lying to him all this time. Like, what was what was the reason for that development? We wanted to give everybody a compelling reason to make a tough choice. Ooh, um, you know, okay. you don't want to have to tell a four-year-old, well, your daddy's in prison and he doesn't want to see you. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, what? how will he handle that? Right. So it was sort of easier to just let it drift away. He's gone, baby, and I don't know when he's coming back. But when you tell that lie, how do you wheel? At what age do you go, hey, seven-year-old, you know what I told you mm-hmm. when you were four? Yeah. Right. Well, your dad is actually in jail and he doesn't want to see you. Well, seven's still a little young, right? Like, that'll be hard for a seven-year-old to say, mm-hmm. let's wait a few more years. And you keep waiting and waiting and waiting and wait. And that's what happened with Viv, Vi, and Phil. I mean, that's why we have those debates when Vi came out uh, to visit and she said to, to Viv, I think I might tell him about his father. And they say, well, he might hate us, you know? Well, I mean, and that <laughs> it's interesting because I don't think there's any good age to tell a kid your father would prefer to not see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I love that. You know, you guys also made it that Lou had been out of jail for three years and so had the opportunity to find Will at some point over these past three years and simply did not do it. So, again, it comes back on Lou. Like, why are you making these decisions and needing to be accountable for what he has done? It's complicated. Yeah. What holds Lou back is pride. His pride gets in the way of him doing what he's supposed to do, which is not unlike his son. We're in. Will is living in Bel Air because pride led him out to that basketball court. Yeah, he couldn't yep. just let it go. Yep. So, as much as Will may rail against his father, there there are connections between them. 
But you know, Will is at least seventeen, so <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the thing the thing is, though, we wanted to make it complicated and messy because real life is complicated and messy. Yes, yes, it um, is. You know, in a sitcom, you have to make it quick. You have to make it clearly understandable. We need things in a drama that take a while to figure out and take a yeah. while to unpack. And and you know, we're not doing a crime procedural drama where every 42 minutes we find the the killer and put him in jail you know (laughs) we got to go on and on and on and so all these issues we're talking about right now are conversations that are going to continue into the second season because good news people we got our second season yeah it's happening (laughs) and one of of the things we do with characters like lou because it's very easy to look at lou through will's eyes or the people we know but you have to ask yourself what's the story lou tells himself What's the heroic version of this? Lou, in his mind, thinks, I did my son a favor. I did not burden him with this legacy. I did not burden him with having to see me like this, which is what my father did to me. Mm. And I feel it it held me back. I cut You say I cut you loose. I say I cut you free. That is what he believes. And so that gave us a lot to work with in those scenes. And that's real. That is real. That happens a lot of times that two people you know, believe that they're doing the right thing and they're doing completely different opposite versions of that thing that, you know, each of them say that the other is wrong. It it was born out of a real, we got one of the writers in our room, right? Rashid Ephraim, his father was a prison guard who had seen this type of thing. Where people said, don't bring the child back here. My heart can't take it and I don't think they should see it either. Don't bring the child back down here. Well, yeah. So difficult conversations that, you know, are leading to a lot of drama and fireworks. This episode had so much of that, plus this great cliffhanger where we don't know what Will's next move is going to be. And it also touched on so many of the themes and relationships that we have been talking about throughout the season. So I want to switch to Phil and Viv and talk about them a little bit. The episode starts off showing us how their dynamics have come, you know, full circle in a way. She's shining as an artist and he just gets to kind of sit back in the background and, and beam and be proud of her and support her. We see his uh, friendly exchanges with his alpha bros and he seems to kind of come back to remembering who he used to be, you know, when he was Yamakraw before he was, you know, the, the man he has become. So can you all talk about the journey that Phil and Viv have gone through this season, both individually and as a unit? I mean, as a unit, they basically swapped places. Mm-hmm. When the season started, Viv was in the background and Phil, it was his fundraiser. He's the, you know, the candidate and people are donating and he's going to do all these great things. By the end, Viv is the center of attention and he's in the back and, you know, people asking him, because remember the, the episode before, he stepped down out of the DA race to preserve the secret of what he did for Will and to protect his family. I can say this, I mean... Phil is still a little in shock from that in this episode, unfamiliar. This is a man who's never lost in his life, you know? And even though he he got out of the race willingly, he did not accomplish his goal. And so there's going to be a lot for us to unpack going into season two with that feeling in his soul and with Viv taking off like a rocket. I think it's been fun to watch uh, them navigate their their competing ambitions. And I think we're having a very honest conversation about the fact that it's hard for both of us can't go out there and be the lead singer. 
Somebody got to sing backup. <laughs> right. Yeah. And who's it going to be? And some marriages, they take turns and some, somebody kind of always is the lead. It's been great to watch, I think, this evolution. I mean, these are the little things that we kind of geek out on as a writer. But when you look at Phil's party, it was during the day. It was outside, brightly lit. <laughs> and it wasn't a fun party. Everybody kept telling you it wasn't a fun party. Whereas this one with, with Viv, it's at night, it's yeah, indoors, it's sexy, yeah. it's dark, and it's artwork, and there are stars there. Everybody yeah. is enjoying themselves. And so I just, I love that flip that they went to a world that was a little bit, it had more soul than the one they had been inhabiting. And that's also a, a sort of a metaphor for Will walking into their life. We, mm. were, we were sort of somewhere sterile and artificial before he got here. And now we're, we're back to our roots. We're tapped in again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I did, my heart broke for Will just because the sheer number of emotions he went through and then that feeling of like, maybe a little bit of hopefulness when you see him and Lou on the couch and it looks like, you know, they're bonding over the Sixers game and maybe things are going to be okay. And then Lou starts talking about Will's mom and all hell breaks loose. And so, you know, he ends up feeling not just rejected by his father or betrayed by his father, but also lied to by all, by all the adults that he loves and trusts who are supposed to be looking out for him. So Maybe you all can't talk about it too much, but I would love <laughs> to know like yeah. the impact of this moment, meeting his father and, and and the rejection from the parentals. How much of that are we going to discover and, and dive deeper into in season two? It's where we have to pick up the story because here is this young man who came to them very guarded and he let his guards down. He let himself become a part of this family and he trusted them in ways that he had not trusted probably anyone except his mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I found out you've been playing me. You lied to me. Um, I, I think it's going to be very hard for them to to rebuild those bonds and to re-earn that trust again. And let's not forget, there came a time over the course of the season. They had decided, we'll just not tell him, we'll just not tell him. There were a couple times over the season. He asked his aunt and uncle and his mom point blank, what's the deal with my father? Mm. And they did not, I mean... As a 17-year-old, he asked them, looking them in the eye. Mm-hmm. And they had a chance, and they didn't. I mean, Phil went so far as to fire Jeffrey yeah, over yes. this. Insanity. Yes. Insanity. I mean, and now they know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now they know that this wasn't a family emergency. And, it, and it, you know, ah, uh, oh. That, and that, Phil that lied cut. directly to Carlton's face, too. And when Carlton looked him in the eye, just like Will did, and received that lie back from his dad, I think that was a huge moment. And it was really reflective of how Carlton and Will's relationship has changed so much (laughs) over the season. (laughs) My God, (laughs) Carlton was public enemy number one when we started the season. Yeah. 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 And so can we talk a little bit about that relationship and the, the changing dynamics between them? Yeah. I mean, look, when... When Will showed up at that party, we all remember the look on Carlton's face oh, yeah. in the pilot uh, <laughs> and talking to Lisa and just, you know, push his will in the pool at the end of the pilot because he's with Lisa and they hate each other and fist fight. And by the end, Carlton is at Lisa's door with tears in his eyes, begging her to help him get Will back. I need you to help me find Will. He's gone missing. Missing? Yeah. He left a few hours ago, and, and no one knows where he is. He stood me up today, Carlton. Look. After he told me he loved me, he stood me up. Look, his dad showed up at the house today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
And it was bad, Lisa. It was so bad. It's like everything that he was afraid of about his father is true. But it's somehow worse because my parents have been lying to him this whole time. I think it was all too much for him to take, and so he ran away, and... And I don't know if he's gonna come back, so you have to help me find him, please. He never turned his back on me. And I needed that. And I need that now. So please, please, just help me find him, please. Jesus. Woo! Yeah. I mean, also, Carlos is the one who delivers. When you say, Will goes around asking this question, who's my father, who's my father? Ask Jeffrey, Jeffrey gets fired. Carlton is the one who carries mm-hmm. that ball across the, across the goal line. Yes. He's the one who says, here, I'm putting the answers in your hand. I am defying my father. I am in his office. I am getting this for you. And I know it's going to be rough, but here you go. Yeah. I mean, Will takes it and says, I don't want to open this. And Carlton goes, you got to. I mean, he gives, yeah. he, he does yeah. the thing that, that I think Jeffrey told Phil to do, which is you should have given him the encouragement yeah. to open this thing. Carlton comes through for Will. Yes, he does. I, mean, I love that. Yeah. Yes, he does. So we feel that's that whole relationship has taken on an amazing arc, and hopefully, the viewers on an amazing ride with how they feel about Carl, the character of Carlton. Oh, oh, completely, completely. Because oh, yeah. I, I've, I couldn't I've stand said, it. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I, I, I've, I've always said when you don't like a character, that means they're doing their job. Because mm-hmm. that's not actually who, you know, Oli is. For everyone to have this hatred in the first few episodes of, oh my God, I hate Carlton. I hate Carlton. I hate Carlton. And then you see the sentiment just kind of change. You know, Mm -hmm. well, Carlton is going through some things and to watch this go full circle is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And we, we love him as a person, as an actor, and just... He has shown amazing poise and strength of character dealing with a lot of the crazy that has been thrown at him online mm-hmm. and uh, like a pro, like a pro, because he is a pro. And it, it is exciting because now we're at that point where we can play the friendship of it all. Like they can be a duo. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to season two where you can put, you know, Will, Carlton and Jazz together out like just have the three of them going out and 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 tearing up i mean like now like it's like oh now we get to tell those stories and it feels i think a little earned because you know you know they've been through some things now i mean they've been between nine and ten they were really there for each other and i think that bond now allows us to have a a great place to to go in season two we have to talk about jazz and hillary (laughs) (laughs) We absolutely have to talk about Jazz and Hilly. So I was, it was mind blowing to see them kiss earlier in the season. I was kind of like, okay, didn't get a chance to do that, but I get it. Um, (laughs) But we see the way that Jazz supports, you know, Hillary in her career and pushes her to be, you know, like be your true self. Um, At the end of the episode, she takes advice and it looks like, this is going to pay off. What was the decision to finally bring these two together? Um, and I'm really curious, you know, once again, since we're talking about season two, um, where that relationship is going to go. Well, I mean, one of the reasons it happened, I mean, we were, we had talked about teasing it. The chemistry between Coco and Jordan was so good. Uh, we were like, we can't run away from this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and because two, we're I mean, not playing for laughs. Like we're playing for drama mm. and intrigue and people leaning forward. That's where it went, you know? We had them meet in like the in Jazz's record store 
And, you know, we had a couple scenes and we yes. wanted to, of course, just sort of have a little bit of, of chemistry and fun. But it was so good. You're like, oh, we, we, we can't we yeah. can't not go there. It also was great to have a relationship that in a lot of ways on paper looks like it shouldn't work. And I won't even get into people online, like the height difference. People are, <laughs> oh, people are just going nuts over that. And so That's I kind it. of enjoy watching this couple that you go, well, why does this work? But it works. Yes. <laughs> and we also, though, it works, but we want people to ask, how long can this work? You know, her background, his background, mm -hmm. where she lives, what she does, where he lives, what he does. You know, they're going to have fun, but there are, when you get in a relationship and you get past the brand new phase, there mm. are things to figure out. And that's yeah. where it's going in season two. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I like playing with just thinking of like, who are their exes and what does that look like? <laughs> you know, I mean, Hillary, yeah. Hillary's exes, I mean, it's private planes, it's trips to Dubai. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and it's like, you know, you kind of go, if you're jazz, well, how long is she going to be happy with me taking her? to, you know, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, when is she, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of nice to maybe have Hillary say, well, actually, I I love this. I know you think I want that, mm -hmm. but I'm happy here. Um, I think we've got a lot of story to tell with them. I, I'm really excited about them in season two. Yeah, and I love that we get more of Jazz as a character. Um, mm. We see him, like uh, Jeff was just saying, pushing Hillary um to be more independent, um, more forthright, to to see herself as like an equal player in this influencer game and to not feel so intimidated by uh, Karuchi's character. And then also at the end of the episode, when Jazz and Will are looking out over L.A. Mm, and, mm, mm. and Jazz, you know, they bring up the whole part about not letting L.A. forget who you are, but then also like you can also reconcile you know where you came from where you are now yeah. you, can, you can take this opportunity to have this life that can be better than what it was before and that theme of achieving success while staying true to who you are has really been at the heart of the show this season how do you think that push and pull has affected will throughout the season and some of the other members of the family like hillary or viv it never goes away particularly i think if you're i think if you're black i mean the higher you go it's still a push and pull of, you know, how much of my authentic self can I get to be here? You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get over. I'm trying to achieve. Should I tone this down? Should I hold this back? Am I always going to speak my mind? Those questions never go away. And it's great to meet somebody young and talented and to watch him navigate that every time he sort of moves up in life. I mean, so I, I think that is a series long theme and struggle for the character. We see it all the time. I mean... You know, most of the people of our generation, Rashid, who we work with and stuff, nobody's from L.A., you know. And so <laughs> you get a lot of people. There's a, a fun push and pull discussion. People just constantly repping their hometown all the time, but living here. Um, you know, I find myself doing that sometimes. Yes. And then I'm like, wait, if, I, if it's so great, why am I here? And why not did there? I leave? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, like, I'm, because... I'm, in, I'm in that minority of people who eagerly shed where I came from. I was like, I don't need Let's never speak of Indiana again. I'm yeah. No, I mean, but it's like, I love where I come from, but I don't yeah. live there. So there's something, yeah. you know. For a reason. Yeah. And so it's because I need to be who I really am and I and do what I want to do and I couldn't do that there and it's just so I can still be 
myself and proud of who I am as a person, mm -hmm. but I don't need to, to stay in one place geographically to feel authentic. And that's, well, and it takes maturity I, to figure that out, I think. Yes, it does. Well, well, the other thing I think is hard is you're from a place at a particular time. Yep. Enough years go by, you're a stranger to that land too. Yes, you are. All the stores are gone. At some point, the connection probably dies. And that's hard to admit and reconcile, but that's how time works. It just, you know, you're, you're from Warwick, 1985. Uh, <laughs> 1992, man. 1992. <laughs> I ain't that old. Graduated high school in 92. Oh, man. Well, uh, gentlemen, I have to say again, what an incredible job on season one. We are mm, so mm, looking mm. forward to season two. And since this was the finale, we do want to share some love from the fans yes. this season. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> One person on Twitter said they need to just clear Bel Air for five seasons. Jeffrey needs a spinoff. I want to see him go on missions. They might have taken <laughs> that from my Twitter because I feel like Jeffrey's mm -hmm. a secret yeah, agent. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we, and I want to find out more about how Jeffrey got all the links, all the connections, and can seem to do anything. People love that character. And I we want to explore that too. Jimmy is great as an actor. Mm -hmm. yes. um, and, and the trick of that role is He's not actually telling you that much. He's not revealing that much, but you can feel all of this playing underneath. Yeah, absolutely. You also got some love for the dramatic reimagination of the series. This one says, Bel Air is well done. A reimagine shouldn't be a mimicry, but an homage and an evolution. It's a different show, but the roots of tenderness and family are clear. The spirit is there. And I love its nuanced portrayal of Black masculinity. Could not agree mm. more. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for reading that. I need to frame that yeah. one. Yeah, I was going to say, those people peered into my heart. I mean, that's exactly what we hope to do. I know for a fact, Rashid and I all the time talk about how grateful we are for people's reaction to this show. And, and, and grateful that the people tune, who tuned in, wanting to hate it, have come around <laughs> for the most part and admit, yes, you know, yeah. this is pretty good. Give it a chance. That's the thing I'm most proud of. It's hard to overcome that initial barrier and because of the cast we have the team we have and and you know morgan's vision and and everybody up and down the chain we were able to do it it's rare thing in hollywood i'm going to savor every second of it yeah no and we love and respect the fans of the show because it's it's a big commitment thank you for giving us 10 hours of your time yes i mean you could there, certainly know you had a lot of options and it's and we're glad people invested in this show and continue to invest in this show. Let me just say that all pro linebacker Khalil Mack said he was mm. watching Bel Air when he found out he was being traded to the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he, and he called it a strange coincidence. So, yeah. you know, you have everybody watching this show and on the edge of their seats. And what I will say is every episode had its thing episode eight nine and ten oh you smacked it out the park <laughs> i you. felt i really felt like nine could have been the season finale could have. and i was saying i need to see what they're going to do in 10 mm -hmm. and the way that you rounded 10 up the fact that one of the early scenes was jazz and will overlooking la and jazz telling him not to lose himself that end scene with Jazz saying the exact same thing, I was like, oh my God, talk about a full circle moment. Did you hear the song playing? 
If yes. You want to talk and full I knew circle. it would. I knew it would. I said it's going to be dreams and nightmares. I knew it. <laughs> but the flip side of it, at the beginning, you know, we were playing, yes. you know. Yes. Playing the That's hold perfect. on, wait a minute part. And this started with our piano, you know, and um, that yeah, iconic that, song yeah. for that iconic moment. Nod back to Philly. I mean, it just, it, it felt really good. <laughs> oh, you man. live for moments like that in a room. Like we kind of knew we had that in our pocket. And, and you just, I mean, it becomes this whole thing where you're just waiting months. You, you can't wait for the rest of the world to see it. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm glad we're finally here. Yeah. Well, speaking of how bad we can't wait to see it, is there mm. anything? I mean, just give us a drop. <laughs> Any kind of tease we can get for season two, please. The people are thirsty. I think we've got to reassemble this family. I think you're going to see a family having to pull it back together. I think you're going to see Will sort of regressing a little bit. He's, he's a little angry. He feels he's been hurt. And um, I think we're going to bring, I think, I mean, what we're always trying to do is sort of expand our canvas and meet more people in the lives of the Banks family. So I think we'll have some great cameos and some great appearances in season two. And I would like to say um, we're going to continue to explore some iconic locations in L.A., but different parts of L.A. than we've seen this season. That's all I'm going to say. Mm, okay. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to be thinking a lot about it till season two. It's yes, <laughs> yes. us again on Peacock, Rashid Newsom, TJ Brady. Thank you so, yes, so much yes, for your time yes. today and for your excellent work on this series. Job. Congratulations. Incredibly well done. <laughs> Oh, man, Jeff, what a great mm. conversation we had with TJ and Rashid. I'm so excited for what is to come. It has been such an honor and such a pleasure to work with you, the icon mm. himself, the <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff, on this show um, as a, you as part of the original cast and hearing your perspective and your opinion on things. This has just been uh, such a fulfilling experience. Yeah, this has been amazing for me. Um, just being a part of the original show, not really knowing what to expect, and then getting your socks blown off. Mm -hmm. Basically, from the quality, the authenticity of this show, and to be a part of the podcast. Listen, I am. I'm in heaven right now. I just can't wait for season two because season one Same. knocked it out <laughs> of the park. Yeah, cannot wait to see what they do going forward. If you have not already, you can check out all episodes of Bel Air Season 1 streaming now on Peacock. Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. This show is hosted by me, DJ Jazzy Jeff. And by me, Crystal West. Supervising producer, Mike Coscarelli. Producer and mastering engineer, Bahid Frazier. Executive producers from iHeart are Nikki Etor. Anna Stump and Miles Gray. Executive producers from Peacock are Lindsay Vogelman and Amber Ferguson. And special thanks to Will Pearson from iHeart and Michael Scoggins from Peacock. 